So Stephen and Catherine have prepared a little something about Mother's Day, which will be after Stephen's message, right, toward the end. But I'm going to share a little bit about Mother's Day, too. And I'm going to be look, uh, looking at two scriptures, one in Acts 16, 1 through 3, and uh, the other one, got to remember, 2 Timothy 1, 5. So let's start with Acts 16. A little tribute to Mother's Day today. Do you know that Mother's Day actually goes uh, is mostly a secular holiday in, in the church in America today, but it actually has Christian origins. Um, the British eventually called it Mothering Day, but uh, from the early church through the Middle Ages, uh, it was practiced the third Sunday of Lent or the fourth Sunday of Lent. I'm trying to remember. Uh, you can look it up. It's one of those two. And um, um, you know, now we practice it the first Sunday of May uh, in the U.S. anyway. And uh, but the uh, the interesting thing about it was what what it was what in through, through many centuries was it was a Sunday that Christians would go back to the parish they came from or the church they came from if they didn't live in the hometown they grew up in anymore. Because they, it, it was a way of acknowledging that scripturally the church is our mother. You know, God is our father. Jesus Christ is the old elder brother of the family, but we are born into the church. And we're nurtured by the church, and we grow by the church. In fact, uh, you can pretty much guess uh, how someone is doing spiritually by how they relate to the church, and especially the local church that God's put them in. And uh, so, uh, that's that's kind of an interesting fact, isn't it? So let's uh, Acts sixteen. Paul came also to Derby, not the old restaurant, the Brown Derby. Uh, and not Darby, uh, to Derby, and to Lystra. And a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were, who were in those parts, for they all knew that the that his father was a, uh, was a Greek. Now, this is actually after the decree, uh, the Greek word dogmatos, is, was sent out by the church in Jerusalem declaring that uh, a person who converts to Christ does not need to be cir circumcised. So Paul, this was not Paul's normal practice. This was because of what he foresaw for the ministry of Timothy uh, to keep him safe. So let's jump over to um, oops to Second uh, Timothy chapter one verse five I think wait I gotta go back there's a place where Paul says uh, 
that he would hope that the Corinthians would bear with him in a little foolishness. So as a tribute to my mother, I'm going to tell you a couple stories about my mother, uh, who's uh, with Jesus now. So uh, Paul says, for I am like, he's talking to Timothy, and he says that he's mindful. In other words, he remembers uh, the sincere faith that's in Timothy, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that it is in you as well. I had the privilege, uh, starting with uh, the dinner in the fellowship hall last Sunday, and uh, going all the way through a dinner I had with the brother in the Lord Friday night, uh, to talk to three guys this week who would not be in Christ at all if it wasn't for their mother. Uh, and in fact, uh, in all three of these cases, their father sort of missed the boat altogether. Uh, their father was not a good influence in their life, certainly did not helpful in their coming to Christ. But uh, they're in Christ because of the faithfulness of their mother. I guess there's, there's four this week, now that I'm thinking about it. And uh, that's very much my case, too, although my father was a very good father and a godly man, and the, both of my parents played a big role in my coming to Christ but uh, my mother was a very dominant personality. Very, uh, I tend to take after her in a lot of ways. So I, I thought I'd tell you a little a couple funny antidotes about my mother, uh, who was uh, quite a saint. Uh, you know, most of what I learned the first year or two I was a Christian was uh, because of my mother teaching me. Uh, my parents had a Christian bookstore in our, the basement of our home, but they didn't become a Christian until I was uh, very, I was already very rebellious, very estranged from my parents, very angry, and kind of a wild partying kind of guy who ended up uh, in detention or jail or most of the time. <laughs> and, uh, so uh, not, not exactly what my mother had been praying for. But uh, <laughs> let me, can I have that water bottle? I should So, somebody, somebody left some paper up here. So, uh, I, I don't remember if this is the summer that I was 18 or the summer that I was 19. One of those summers, I worked putting a tar and gravel roof on a huge series of build, buildings that was a retirement convent for hundreds of nuns. The other summer, I worked for a tree nursery and landscaping outfit, and I don't know which one was which. But the summer, uh, anymore, but the summer that, uh, that I worked for a landscaping outfit, uh, sometimes we would just go out to mow lawns, uh, weed gardens, trim trees, and all that kind of stuff for places where my boss had kind of designed the landscaping and installed the trees, and, and so we kind of did an annual maintenance of the place. And so this was one such occasion, and my boss had warned us, uh, these are some pretty bad people, be careful uh, as you're getting out of the car. 
So we, were go we went to the house of a family named the Lombardos, and uh, eventually he was front page news in the Cleveland Plain Dealer because he was a big mafia guy. And uh, everybody knew that. And so when we uh, pulled up in the truck, I was with two other guys in the truck, and my boss pulled up right next to us, and I was just about to get out of the truck, and my boss you know, pulled up next to us and said, don't get out. And uh, I said, why not? And he goes, you, you, they got to wait till they put the dogs away. And uh, so, uh, and as I looked up, a Doberman pincher with a woodchuck in his mouth ran by the truck. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so my coworkers were, uh, had been with the business longer than me, so they're telling me what uh, bad dudes these people are. And uh, as soon as we do get out of the truck, the mother of the family came out and she said, which one of you is Greg? And I said, I am. Her name was Bibi Lombardo and she gave me a big hug and, and a teary kind of hug and she started telling me about my mother. My mother had led her to Christ and was discipling her by telephone calls uh, a couple times a week and doing Bible studies and so forth, even though her husband was this very angry, uh, very potty mouth kind of guy. I got to hear his uh, vocabulary because he was on, in the back porch with his mobile phone uh, uh, back in, and this is back before there were cell phones. It was, you know, one of those uh, cordless phones. But uh, anyway... So they were all like freaking out, like, who the heck is this guy hugging this BV Lombardo? And uh, so, uh, you know, that, that was just amazing the kind of person my mom My mom was always leading someone to Christ and always disciple them. And uh, eventually, Mr. Lombardo got saved, and the Cleveland Plain Dealer, the biggest paper in Cleveland, ran a, a full page special about how they had turned their businesses into from, like they, they actually used to run a big porno, uh, what do you call those outdoor theaters where you drive up to them? Drive-in. Drive yeah, they, and uh, they changed it to a family-friendly thing, and they, uh, and they would actually go around and thank people for their business and give them tracts about Christ and, and all this. And, And uh, it was such a big radical change that it actually was, uh, you know, a front page story in the Cleveland Plain Dealer with, a, uh, as you went back a few pages, a full page spread about how this family had come to Christ and changed all their businesses into Christian friendly businesses. So that, that was uh, my, uh, my mother. Um, so uh, one, one quick more story about my mother. Um, I had a grandmother, my mother's mother, who was uh, a very bitter, cranky, controlling uh, type person. She was also a type A. I actually attended a ceremony at uh, Belmont University, uh, which she was one of the five founders of, where the, the head of the nursing department spoke of, of how my grandmother had started the nursing department there and how many tr nurses she had trained and, and uh, all this kind of stuff. And um, 
So she was a very talented and very accomplished lady, but very angry and bitter at life and grouchy and uh, this kind of thing. And um, for me, I have kind of a conviction, as, as did my mother, that uh, you can't really be in a a really good place with the Lord and be full of grouchiness, anger, and bitterness. That's just, that's God's gift to you to say you need to wrestle with God and get 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 this stuff worked through. And so, um, let's see, I'm trying to think of the time period. This would have been uh, my first year of grad school, so I would have been 21 years old. And... Um, I had a roommate named Scott Kazi, and we had started the Fellowship of Christian Students because the elders of our church had asked us to start a campus ministry, and it was exploding. In term, about 70 people came to Christ in about a year and a half period and got baptized in the Spirit, delivered from demons. I mean, it was just an amazing time. And I was so busy that I would literally get up every, at 6 a.m., go to my carpentry job, and I would work from 8 to 12, uh, and then I'd come home and do and go on campus and share the gospel until about midnight or 1 o'clock every night, and when I'd get home, my roommate would give me my messages, and I'd return calls to about 2, and then get up the next morning at 6 and uh, do it again, <laughs> and uh, one night uh, as I was sleeping, uh, the Lord gave me a dream about my grandmother, Rubloff, my mother's mother. And I woke up to, to myself sitting up in bed, uh, binding the angel of death and commanding it not to take her until God had worked in her life. And uh, this just started with a dream and ended up waking me up as and I was praying and interceding for my grandmother. And... Um, you know, I was kind of binding these demonic spirits and praying so loud that my roommate woke up and we ended up praying together for my grandmother. And so, uh, I didn't think much of it. I kind of forgot all about it, went back to sleep. And about a day later, my mother called me and she said that, uh, she was, uh, in, in Wheeling, West Virginia, in the hospital with my grandmother and that what had happened was uh, at the very time that we were praying, my grandmother's uh, next door neighbor had been woken up by the Lord and had the thought that I should go over and see if Mrs. Rubloff's okay. And this was like two or three in the morning. And the, the neighbor told us she had never once done that. She had known my grandmother 30 or 40 years, had never once done that. And she had the foresight to take a flashlight with her. And she couldn't get anyone to answer, so she was shining the flashlight. in the window, and uh, she saw my grandmother laying on the kitchen floor. 
and she was quite blue. So she ran home and called an ambulance, and the ambulance came. And the ambulance people told us if they had gotten there a few minutes later, she would have been dead. I believe my grandmother was about 78 years old at this time. And a lot of people don't think that people change and encounter God and have radical changes in their life when they're 50, 60, 70, 80, but people do. And, uh, you know, as a tribute to my mother, um, sorry. Um, most strong personalities, uh, my, my, I guess my, let's see, I was 21 or two at this time, and my, and that would have made my mother in her early 50s. And uh, most, you know, people that with that much age gap don't take direction from their kids. But sometimes you need to. You know, even sometimes your four-year-old kid will tell you something that is the word of the Lord. <laughs> and uh, and uh, as some of you probably have discovered by now. Um, and so um, I said to my mother, you need to tell Grandma that Jesus spared her life and that he doesn't want her to go to meet him and go home and, and die until she gets rid of all the unforgiveness and bitterness in her life. And she had some legitimate reasons. You know, she had raised my mom during the Great Depression, and when my mom was about eight, her, my, her husband, my grandfather, had ran off with his secretary and to a whole new life, and my mom only saw him one other time again in her life. So, um, and so my grandmother was pretty bitter. But interestingly, she, she, my, my mother said, she started to object at first. She said, Greg, I've tried to tell her many times. She won't listen. And somehow by the Holy Spirit, I just had the peace to say, she'll listen this time. And my mother ended up leading her to Christ, taking, help, teaching her how to forgive, teaching her what forgiveness was, uh, praying for her for deliverance, inner healing, all this kind of stuff, which my mother was amazing at. She's the one that taught me all this stuff. You know, all the uh, people that I've taught to cast out demons and stuff like that, it's because my mother taught me how to do that when I was 17. And um, when I, you know, that was the year I came to Christ. And so um, my grandmother changed so much that Catherine and I uh, were about to celebrate our 40th anniversary. And uh, we remember when we were engaged, um, or just before we got engaged, actually. It was about a month before we got engaged. We went to spend Thanksgiving with my grandmother And who was normally a very difficult person to be around because she was so grouchy and bitter and so forth. And one of our greatest memories is sitting there for several hours talking to her about the scriptures, about the Lord. And she was so pleasant and so full of love. And, she, and uh, 
it, it's to this day, it's one of Catherine's and my fondest memories, uh, spending that time with my grandmother, who died about 40, 45 days later. Uh, she, she died on around January 4th, and this was Thanksgiving time. So, uh, but, you know, it's just, a, a, you know, for, for my mother, none of that would have happened if my mother hadn't had the maturity and, and the wisdom to take a word of direction from, from a baby Christian. I was, I was five years old in Christ, and she was 45 years old in Christ. And she knew way more about the power of God and everything like that than I did. Yet, uh, when I said, she'll listen this time, she said, okay, I'll do it. And the Lord wonderfully led my grandmother to Christ because my mother did it. And so, uh, two little Mother's Day stories. Um, Yes, indeed. Happy Mother's Day. And as, uh, as Greg shared those wonderful stories from his family, on Mother's Day, I like to think of women in the Bible who have exemplified just the love and the devotion and the sacrifice that uh, we want to be as mothers and that we are celebrating today. And in particular, this morning, I was thinking about Hannah. And because we are short on time, I'm not going to read it, but um, the uh, opening chapters of the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament describe the difficulties that Hannah faced being a woman who really wanted to have children but was barren and how she prayed to the Lord and she sought the Lord and God answered her prayer and she was given a son whom she named Samuel but then she released him because she had made a vow to the Lord Lord if you give me a child if you give me a son I will give him to you. And she indeed did that. And you can read all about that in 1 Samuel 1 and 2. And of course, and 3. And Samuel, of course, went on to be a great prophet in the nation of Israel who later anointed David as king. Um, so with those thoughts in mind, I do just want to share um, uh, just a special thank you to mothers in our midst uh, who have done just a tremendous exemplary work. And in particular, these mothers have had to serve as both mother and father to their children. And I, I would like to thank Jennifer, pa sorry. Uh, Ann Monty, who is not here with us um, today. And I would also like, like to remember uh, Kamala Kali, who is Golda's mother. Um, these women have shouldered a burden that... Um, I can't even begin to imagine. So I thank God for these three faithful, wonderful women who have led their families and served as leaders in their families into the ways of Christ. Uh, I just, I'm so, so thankful and grateful for that. And we have some special gifts for them. And also uh, for all of you, uh, 
for mothers here in our midst, uh, especially you kids who would like to do this, we have some roses that you could take to your mother. They're up here at the front. And after the benediction, you can come up and get a rose or two uh, for your mom.